dragging you down and get up in the air Just pretend that you can fly You'll never know if you can Till you try Hi, and welcome to Cannabis Helps Dementia. I'm Chella. I'm Dave. And right up front, we'd like to say that we're not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing you hear in this podcast should be considered medical advice. Right. We're not experts, but throughout this podcast series, you'll hear from doctors, nurses, research scientists, administrators, other caregivers, and people living with dementia about how cannabis helps. Like it did for our family. That's right. After my mom was diagnosed with dementia, we were thrust into family caregiving and became fierce advocates for people living with dementia. Including their access to cannabis medicine. In this episode, we're talking with Kelly Sturgeon, who is the creator and administrator of Creekside Cottage and Creekside Place Assisted Living Homes in Petaluma, California. And she's also the president and manager of Community Caregivers of Sonoma. Yeah, Kelly has created a high standard of care in a home environment that applies 20 years of experience as an administrator, educator, and ex expert in the elder care field. She provides exceptional care through tailored caregiving, meaningful activities, home-cooked meals using local organic ingredients, and using Tifa Snow's positive approach to care. Yeah, Kelly is also an advocate for using cannabis for people living with dementia. Kelly Sturgeon, thank you for joining us and for being on the leading edge of dementia care. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Kelly, your, your background seems uh, very structured and traditional. Uh, how did you become an advocate to incorporate cannabis into your care homes? Well, I, in our field, we're presented with some challenges because there are behaviors associated sometimes with people living with dementia that include anxiety, restlessness, sleeplessness because of the way that Alzheimer's or vascular dementia is changing the brain and affecting their lives. And so we're seeking to reduce suffering and to apply compassion in, in our work so that our residents are comfortable and living with the highest quality of life possible as we go through this journey with them. And so we, we, discovered the effectiveness of medical cannabis after working with Dr. Jeffrey Hergenrather. And I attended a conference that was sponsored in Sonoma County, sponsored partly by St. Joseph's Health and St. Joseph's Hospice. And I was very, very skeptical going in. Hmm. I thought, I, I need to attend this. I want to understand because the more tools we have available to us to help our residents the better quality of life that they will have. And I think because of the, the way Dr. Hergen rather presented his material and the studies that back up the effectiveness of medical cannabis for pain, for mood disorders like depression and anxiety, for sleeplessness at night, um, among many other things, I didn't realize that it could impact digestion and the GI tract. A lot of elderly um, residents have issues with GI, uh, and it's a part of aging sometimes. It's a, it's a part of the body slowing down, and so there can be a lot of issues with how people absorb nutrition. Mm. Um, and so I didn't realize so many benefits that medical cannabis uh, can have. I didn't know we had a cannabinoid system mm. in our bodies. And Don't worry, most doctors don't know either. 
<laughs> I was I was so surprised. So it, it, that's where it began. It, it began with uh, Dr. Hergen Rather and a group of advocates in our region who were willing to put this this conference together. That was a couple of years ago. Awesome. It sounds like you're talking about the medical cannabis conference. Um, we went to the 2.0 where uh, Dr. Hergen Rather gave a, a wonderful talk. And it was co-sponsored by St. Joseph's Hospice as well. Must have been number one that <clears throat> yeah, you, you saw. Yeah, first one. Yeah. Oh, you okay. were skeptical. I was. I was skeptical. Because I hadn't seen studies, I knew that we, we needed to find alternatives to the medications often prescribed because of the side effects that we've seen with those medications. So we have... Some residents we've experienced, um, we've had very positive experiences with psychotropic medications that have been very effective in certain cases and in mm -hmm. other cases where they were not effective and they had very negative side effects. And so then you have to ask, well, what are the alternatives that can help this person who has clearly has anxiety, is experiencing uh, quite a bit of confusion, and you're witnessing suffering that you want to help relieve. And so I think that's what led me to, to go to this conference and find out, you know, is this, an, is this a good alternative that we can work with Dr. Hergen rather, uh, also Dr. Grobe, um, who's another physician in the region. Mm -hmm. And so, and so our, our journey began and awesome. we've had, we've seen very positive results. Um, so how and why do you see cannabis helping people living with dementia? Well, I'll start with sleeplessness. Mm. And it's a common problem for people with Alzheimer's because as, as we were talking earlier, the brain is changing and it's not just affecting the memory center. It's affecting mm -hmm. uh, many different parts of the brain. And some people experience problems with sleep we all know that if you don't get a good night's sleep, it's hard to function. And that's for those of us with normal brains. So we people with Alzheimer's, they're, they're working with a smaller brain capacity, smaller brain function. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, to, to try and function in a world that's confusing to them without getting good quality sleep, um, that's a lot, a lot for them to, to have to deal with. And so sleeplessness is an important uh, problem to address for people living with dementia. Mm -hmm. And it's been very effective in helping with sleep at night. Anxiety is another area that we see you know, people living with this disease exhibiting signs of anxiety. And mm -hmm. that can be in many, other, many ways that, that they exhibit anxiety that we report to to their primary care doctors and that we can work with Dr. Hergen rather or another, another physician in the field uh, for those who experience anxiety or depression mm. that we see associated with Alzheimer's. And we've, we've seen good effect on, on these mood disorders. What about pain? Have you noticed anything with um, how cannabis relieves pain in people living with dementia? I'm so glad you asked that. It's, it's such an important part of our work is to observe for signs of pain and report signs of pain. It can be mm -hmm. tricky. Sometimes we feel like, okay, we have to do a little detective work. Yeah. 
pain um, can be um, exhibited or expressed in a lot of different ways. Agitation is one of the primary ways that pain is expressed. Mm. Yes. There was a study done now, it's probably been over 20 years ago, and, and I, I, I apologize, I can't remember the name of the study. We'll find it. It's, it's well known. And we'll put it in the description. Okay. And the, so the, the, what they looked at is pain, treatment for pain in hospitals post-hip surgery mm-hmm. for people with dementia versus treatment with psychotropic medications for agitation. Hmm. And what they found in, in the study is that if you have dementia and you have hip surgery, you are more likely to be treated with psychotropic medications for agitation post-surgery than you will be treated for pain. Right. So we know that agitation is a sign of illness. It's a sign of pain. It's very important that we report that to primary care doctors. And if we're working with, um, if we're lucky to work with somebody like Dr. Hergen Rather or Dr. Grobe, Mm -hmm. uh, we can report those signs of pain one of which is, is agitation, and try to, um, to get that resolved with medical cannabis. And there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different products out there that can help, um, help with this. Mm-hmm. There are topicals, there are tinctures, um, and different ratios um, of CBD to THC, depending on the type of pain. Um, that's being exhibited. And so I think it, it's, we need more research on this. And it's such a huge need in our field is to treat pain. Mm-hmm. There's so many mm-hmm. different kinds of pain too. Right. think about there's neurological pain, there's muscular pain. Um, there's psychic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it's very real. And um, we want to address pain in all of its different forms um, for people living with this disease. Uh, can you think of one or two uh, examples that, that really stuck out in your mind maybe early on when you started to incorporate cannabis uh, of patients that really you went, wow, that, this, this is really benefiting. Um, and uh, what kind of dosing do you find? You say you're, you're able to use uh, um, in certain instances, rubs for pain, topicals. What are the you know typical types of products you use, and what kind of a dosing do you usually find in uh, some of these patients? It's a great question. Thankfully, now the the dosing is much more reliable. Mm-hmm. It's it's clearer in the um, production of the medical cannabis products, so that <clears throat> because we have to maintain um, our compliance with regulations for the state of California in terms of how medical cannabis is um, administered mm-hmm. and, and follow those regulations in our field, which um, is important. Um, so thankfully, the, it's, it's really improved. Edibles mm-hmm. um, can sometimes not be reliable in terms of knowing how much accurately, how, how many milligrams um, somebody is getting, but they're getting more and more. Um, specific about the the dosage and it's much more reliable Mm -hmm. thankfully because often people with dementia are unable um, in the later stages to take a pill and swallow it yeah and so uh, a um, 
an edible form is um, going to be needed, whether it's a tincture or, um, or a gummy. The topical um, products that are out there um, have been very, very effective. Mm. We use one that is a combination of CBD and Arnica and mint wow. for arth- arthritis pain. Very effective. And arthritis pain can become disabling for mm-hmm. people in their, um, as they age if they have arthritis. And think about um, arthritis of the back or of the neck, which is, is something that we see quite a bit. Um, in our population, Mm. um, very, very effective and immediate relief Mm. that, um, that the, the product we're currently using, um, and that's a CBD, probably a full spectrum CBD, not, and not very high THC or if anything, right? Yeah. Um, this, the, the product we're using right now doesn't have THC. Uh, it, it's, it's a CBD Arnica and, and mint blend. That's pretty amazing. Um, it is. Um, so we've used different topicals. It depends on what the, the physician orders that have been, um, you know, really effective. And so you're, you're reducing the need to, um, for residents uh, to use more traditional pain medications that can have all kinds of issues, especially if they would need to take it frequently, um, that can have a, um, a negative impact on the, the GI tract. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and perhaps, uh, even reduce the, the need for those kinds of pain medications. And we, we've seen with opioids in, across the country, um, you know, the crisis that's happened with opioids for pain management. And while we know our population is under medicated for pain, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a given, we know that they're under medicated and with the opio- opioid crisis, it's making it more difficult uh, to get pain treated sometimes because of the different regulations and requirements that doctors have to follow. Definitely. And so medical cannabis is a way to effectively um, treat pain where we can report signs of pain to the physician and, um, and have medical cannabis be a very good alternative to op- opioids. And I think that a connection between agitation and pain is so important and under, I mean, you just, no one makes that connection really because, you know, we've seen in our journey and learning with TIPA and that study in particular, I, we know that study you speak of, uh, an example of the woman who was pulling her hair out, uh, mm-hmm. behavior could not express her pain and it was a yeah. hip pain due to a broken hip that they had not addressed. And once they addressed the pain, that agitation went away that behavior went away and then what they do is like you say they throw them on psychotropics because they think that's a uh it's a behavior it's a it's an agitated behavior doesn't have anything to do with pain so that connection is so huge yeah and opioids are not allowed to be prescribed to a lot of older people and a lot of people with dementia we had that problem with our loved one evelyn who was having a serious pain issue and doctor would only give her Tylenol and that wasn't doing it because there's nothing really else. I mean, that's it. You've got over the counter Tylenols, higher uh, dosages of that, and then they move into opioids and that's it really. 
there's no bridge. <laughs> yeah. So well, medical exciting. cannabis definitely gives us so many more options now for this. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate for it. I've seen, I've seen the impact it's had on residents and I've seen the impact it's had on the family members who are, are, can now have some, some measure of comfort themselves and yeah. seeing their loved one, you know, suffering and, and maybe not understanding why. Um, there can't be too much education about yeah. this link between agitation, restlessness, um, that we associate with dementia and, and pain. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it is a sign of illness. Uh, it is not normal to be agitated. Just because you have Alzheimer's or you have vascular dementia, it is not normal to be agitated. That is a sign of illness. Yeah. And we need to get the medical professionals involved um, and treat each case uniquely. Now, op opioids can have a psychoactive impact on, on elders, especially. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes uh, I'm not a doctor. I work with doctors, report to them, um, follow their orders. But I have observed residents who have hallucinations and increased confusion associated with opioids to treat pain. Mm. And so then now you have to solve the puzzle of, okay, how do we help a resident who has severe pain, opioid um, uh, um, options are not going to be good for this person because of the side effects. Uh, and medical cannabis is as an option that we have to us now. We've heard that the uh, reduction of the psychotropics and uh, and other pain medications is definitely a result of you know using cannabis as sort of a, a floor to and then and then they make all of the other things work better. Their need less is needed. Are you finding that to be the case in your uh, settings? Oh yes, that's great. Uh, let's see. We have four <clears throat> cases of residents who were admitted on a psychotropic medication, the, the most common one is Seroquel or Quetiapine. Mm -hmm. um, Very familiar. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can be very, very effective in some cases where mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of other options. I've, mm -hmm. I've seen an improvement in quality of life with some residents who have, that's been the medication that was effective for them. Mm -hmm. But often it can be very uh, sedating and that poses all kinds of problems for, um, for our population. If, if it's, it has a sedating effect, now you have someone who is taking in fewer liquids, they're eating less, they're sleeping more, they're a higher risk for falling. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, we had a goal of reducing the number of residents who were coming into us on quetiapine or Seroquel and working with Dr. Hergen rather um, to reduce um, uh, the psychotropic medication and introduce medical cannabis. And we did that very effectively with um, about a third of our population. Oh, that's exciting. That's awesome. That's <laughs> There's a lot of pressure in our field to um, uh, find alternatives to psychotropic right. medication. Exactly. And yet, um, if we don't address agitation, we can have um, a lot of other really serious issues, that, um, as in you know, safety of that resident who's agitated, um, safety of other residents that would be affected by 
by the by a resident who has agitation. Mm -hmm. So identifying the underlying cause of that agitation is is really important. And what the role that the caregivers play mm -hmm. in reporting, the more we can report detailed information to their primary care doctor and to um, a medical cannabis physician, um, the better the outcome will be. And so the if we can train caregivers to be very observant about underlying triggers or underlying issues to that agitation, we can identify um, perhaps what the best approach is going to be. Which is part of a lot of what you do is you train uh, other caregivers and other facilities on how to, how to Im implement these appro positive approaches to care and also set up cannabis programs because you, you are aware of what the state requires and you do help other facilities set up uh, these programs for cannabis? Well, what I've done is I, um, I've done training um, with administrators, with uh, assisted living education in the past. I haven't had time this past year with everything that's going on. Sure. Um, but um, I have reached out to um, thousands of administrators who um, have attended their conferences, and we have talked about medical cannabis in the field um, in the last few years, especially, I think we're seeing more administrators becoming um, interested in, mm -hmm. um, in this option and wanting to learn. Mm -hmm. The more studies we have, clinical trials um, that we have, that administrators, doctors, um, nurses can, can turn to, um, uh, the better um, for our residents. We need that credibility. And so um, I really hope that we see more more research uh, papers coming out. Well, the, the way to get research papers coming out is to be able to study it. And yes. it's hard to study because cannabis is still on the schedule one of drugs and there's this big stigma about it. So, um, yeah. Hey, um, I know you are a uh, oral historian and I was wondering if you might want to wade into a little bit of the history of cannabis prohibition and how cannabis prohibition is related to structural racism and um, how maybe that is related to how disproportionately people of color and women experience dementia and how cannabis can help. Wow, that is such a great question. Um, just a little bit. You know, as we wrap up here, you know, you know in a couple minutes, just, just to, you end. can answer the, this big structural problem of our day. <laughs> well, I, you know, when I, when I think of institutional racism um, and what our country is facing today, I, of course, am just so deeply saddened by um, the suffering that institutional racism causes mm -hmm. and therefore the need for a movement and a need for people to come together and listen, listen to people who have experienced racism and try to understand what that experience is like, how it's impacted their lives and communities. And I think in, in really listening and understanding how racism impacts their lives. I would draw an analogy there to dementia and cannabis use that we 
set our bias aside and generalizations perhaps that we make about medical cannabis or cannabis set aside um, prejudgments and preconceived notions and listen to what is being experienced in the field. Unfortunately, because there isn't a cure for Alzheimer's and um, vascular dementia as well, there are some treatments that can help with vascular dementia. We are all facing either having a loved one that we will be caring for with the disease or that we will have it ourselves. And so I think we really do need to listen now to what people are experiencing living with Alzheimer's without a cure. How to how do we understand the suffering? How do we understand how to help reduce the suffering? And just like with racism, we need to expose bias and set it aside because it's going to only get in the way and be an obstacle to understanding, which is what we're really trying to seek here is a better understanding. Yeah. Well put, well connected. Absolutely. Yeah. Cannabis became the bugaboo that it is over racism. You know, it's, uh, it ended up on that schedule one of drugs because of Nixon's racist ideas. Stopping a whole uh, uh, trend in medicine and, and, you know, studying and really just uh, put the brakes on trying to find uh, alternatives through plant medicine, many, many other, you know, not just, not just cannabis, but um, yeah. So I think you're right. I think having the suffering of, of, you know, people expressing themselves in the streets uh, under police brutality, which is connected to, yeah. I mean, many arrests, many, many vast majority of the arrests uh, are, be, are from cannabis to this day, even in legal states. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ending the drug war is, I think, go, you know, will benefit not only people who are suffering from under the thumb of police and, and uh, oppression, but also people living with dementia. Because yeah. the studies can be done and, um, and we can really get medicine to people as opposed to just making it, you know, oh, it's, everything's great now because it's adult use and recreational. And, you know, no. it was certainly impacted. It was, it's great that California is regulating and now we can have standardized dosing available uh, more effectively to, to folks. And before, you know, it was us. We were a, a bottle of oil, olive oil infused with cannabis, had no idea really how much was in there. Mm-hmm. That's what we were working with. And now it has certainly dramatically changed over the last 10 years, certainly since 2018. Uh, those gummies are much easier. Uh, but the stigma remains. The education is still required for doctors, for patients, for facilities, for care homes. And it's really great that you are on basically the leading edge of this in, in, in Santa Rosa, Northern California, where much of this medicine is being implemented. And there are so few places that do this. There, you know, we talked to Primrose and they say he could count on one hand just in that area where these, this has been implemented. And of course, I think you're in that list. Yeah. How does someone find a place that embraces this medicine? Um, and how do they contact you? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. There isn't a way for family members to choose a facility that works with medical cannabis unless they ask. And 
I think we have a long way to go there. Um, I think there are people who are progressive out there because we want to make a difference, because we want to relieve suffering. And, but I think that across the country, it will be difficult for family members to access facilities that are, are working with medical, medical cannabis. If they themselves can become informed and work with a medical cannabis physician and be an advocate as you were for your mom, um, I think right now that, that that's the best approach. And I think residents have the right to be free from pain, to be free from suffering. Mm -hmm. And they have a right to, to access a legal um, medication. The, you know, the stigma, maybe the younger generation um, probably is not going to have such a stigma. They're going to be shaking their heads like, yeah, of course I know. Yeah, where's my cannabis? Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah of course this is going to help. Um, the, in terms of being in compliance with regulations, thankfully in California, um, we, we have clear guidelines, and um, which is helpful. I don't know what this, the status is in other states. Mm. Um, there are still barriers to this, many barriers to the use of this and uh, that we're going to need to overcome. And I, I think those clinical studies will be a big part of, of helping, us, um, helping us get there. Yep. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a, I look forward to reading them and following them if, if um, you know, if, if they're able to, to achieve what we need them to with the, and get the funding that they need. I don't know what the status is on the funding. I know it's always an issue. Sure. And of course, um, you know, if, if with understanding um, aging and, and the needs of people um, in the field of aging, the focus has been on, um, cardiology and we've come a long way and if you look at the history of um of how we understand how the heart works and how far um how long it took hmm. for uh physicians to understand the way the workings of the heart and that um you could do angioplasty for example uh those those physicians were sort of heretics you know they mm -hmm. were they were considered to be um uh, not, not just progressive, but, um, they were, there were a lot of naysayers, let's say, mm -hmm. um, early on, um, for those who wanted to, uh, make breakthroughs on, uh, what now is just standard procedures. Yeah. If you don't have one of the, if you don't have one of those in your, uh, if you don't have a cath lab in your ER, you ain't, you ain't nothing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's standard procedure now, but, yeah. but back when they were, um, trying to break through um, the, 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 the barriers to um, what is now, you know, um, common, you know, heart surgery, standard um, procedure. Or angioplasty or standard yep. procedure. So, you know, hopefully we'll see that in, in, um, in the field of medical cannabis and neurology, because um, it's, it's the, you know, the study of, of what's going on with brain change and um, how THC impacts um, brain chemistry and how, THC or CBD work with um, uh, on a cellular level, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to need some breakthroughs and there are going to be naysayers. There are going to be those who say, you know, that's, um, that's crazy. Don't listen to that person. That's not right. approved. That's not approved. Even medication. just with food. Mm -hmm. Bill Bredesen gets all kinds of problems. 
Yeah. Well, that's another another area that the uh, the your traditional doctors don't get a lot of uh, training in anyway. Two hours of nutrition, so they food yeah. always, always hasn't been big on their list on how to affect change in in conditions. So, yeah, twenty yeah. years, as Tipa said, it takes twenty years for somebody for the medical profession to implement uh, a new technology or a new yeah. idea. Yeah, and, and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ethan yes. Russo and Grobe and Hergen rather all say that this is a bottom-up movement that right. the patients and the caregivers are the ones informing the medical establishment that this works and yeah. we need to do something to help these people and this works and has never killed anybody so let's well, get it on yeah uh, um the the need for medical cannabis and dementia is is going to grow tremendously and even just in the next 10 years we're going to see exponential growth of people living with dementia. Absolutely. And um, I think that, you know, it, it's, we need to speak the truth mm-hmm. and um, understand, you know, what, what impact this is going to have on families. And I see it firsthand every day. Uh, so, you know, the, the last uh, trials that were done by major um, drug companies uh, for Alzheimer's medications, both the, both the largest trials failed mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. back to square one for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's disheartening. Yeah. Um, we're so looking we, we forward need... to the King's mm-hmm. College London study of Sativex that should be getting underway this mm-hmm. year, but I'm not sure now. Hmm. Well, you what? know, yeah. I mean, it depends well, with, with the way the things are with it's COVID, fine. is that you're saying, and all everything yeah. that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, everything, you know, everything in medicine is sort of taken a back burner. I know my sister is a nurse in Colorado and they are, you know, they're, you know, they're losing money. All of the hospitals for the last three months have done nothing but COVID and um, it's definitely affecting their bottom line. Yeah. Um, so we need something. We need something new in the pipeline. We need some new tools. Uh, and everybody we've talked to seems to agree that cannabis is a tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a polypharma world, and uh, we might as well have a nice, natural, relatively harmless tool in that toolkit that uh, can supplement to save money, to get people off of the toxic drugs. So many positive ways you can approach this in talking to people, especially medical professionals and places like, you know, we're looking to reduce suffering and decrease costs. Because, you know, and, and there are, we're, we're, you know, with such low doses, I don't know, are you finding that very low dosing is effective in your setting? Because that's what we're hearing is that super low dosing can be very effective, which is, makes it much more cost, you know, uh, effective. Yeah, I, um, I, I think, you know, we're looking at five milligrams, which is very low um, and uh, very, with very good, um, good effect on, on pain reduction. Um, or um, anxiety or helping with sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And we're not seeing negative side effects. Right. Five milligrams of one-to-one or a THC or a CBD? What do you generally end up using at your facility or doctors recommend at your facility? What, what's been recommended is um, whole plant whenever possible, mm-hmm. um, like a tincture, that's a whole plant tincture mm-hmm. that is a one-to-one or a two-to-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, it's interesting. Um, uh, 
there, there's a 20 to one CBD to THC um, tincture that is, has been very, very effective. So you think mm. that's a very, very low, um, mm. you know, dose of THC yeah. and very effective for sleep for, um, and for anxiety. Amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. We really do need more studies. It'd be yeah. great to know exactly what's what, but for now <laughs> we can use what's available and ease suffering for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I so appreciate what you're doing and I, I um, wish you luck with, with your podcast and I hope this, this was helpful and, and oh, if I so can helpful. Help this is the least we can do. Um, can, where do people find your, uh, where can they find you to get help maybe making programs of their own in their own facilities? Or uh, where, you know, are, are you accepting more residents uh, at this time? And how do people find uh, your wonderful places up there in Petaluma? Oh, thank you. Um, you can find us um, on, uh, on Facebook uh, under Creekside Cottage Petaluma. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Kelly Sturgeon. Um, I, I'm not real active on social media. I don't have a lot of time. You know, but no, um, yeah. my, <laughs> not a lot of time. Yeah, but um, but people can. Whoops, sorry. People can um, people can can reach me uh, via LinkedIn is probably the best way. If an administrator or a caregiver is out there, um, mm-hmm. great. Um, they they can reach me that way. I'd be happy to um, point them in in a helpful direction if okay. um, this is something they'd like to start. Because awesome. we really need more, we need more places like you're creating and mm-hmm. the space to, uh, for the, in so many ways with a positive yeah. approach to care, the organic foods mm-hmm. and- Incorporating Bredesen's protocols. There's nothing like what you have in Southern California. Nothing at nothing. all. <laughs> nothing like- Not even close. Uh, Primrose in yeah. Southern California. There's no well, Dr. Hergen, rather a Grobe in Southern California. It's really, I, you, it's, you have a very special situation up there. You do. It, it's, thank you so much for saying that. It, you know, it's, um, I think that it's very rewarding work because we can, um, we can truly make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on how empowered a team of caregivers is. Um, if you want to be progressive, you need to empower your caregivers. And mm-hmm. um, that's a whole nother um, podcast topic <laughs> because um, caregivers tend to be, um, uh, overworked and underpaid. I know yep. that's sort of a cliche. Um, well, I just, you mentioned underpaid and overworked and underpaid and you know, yeah. wh- where do we, where are we seeing this COVID problem is a lot of care facilities that are, you know, way, folks overworked. way overworked and you know, their folks are going out and bringing things in and this seemed to be a trend, but you know, um, it's my mom's facility where she died was a major outbreak with multiple deaths and staff all infected that's it makes me it breaks my heart it breaks my heart because um what caregivers need is they need the tools the training and the support and if if what we want is good care Mm -hmm. for loved ones living with this this disease and and when the disease progresses it takes a a village to care Mm -hmm. for someone with alzheimer's it you can start out with, with your family members who work so hard to care for their loved one. Mm-hmm. And as the disease progresses, often um, you need to grow that village. Yeah. And 
you know, and that means bringing in professional caregivers um, or, or placing um, in an assisted living uh, memory care uh, facility. Mm-hmm. And, and so if caregivers are supported mm-hmm. and they're cared for, mm-hmm. um, residents will be too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can't ignore the needs of our caregivers in terms of the supplies that they need, the training that they need, yeah. and the support that they need that, that is ongoing. And it's challenging. There has been a caregiver shortage. There's been a caregiver shortage in California, and I don't know about other states, mm-hmm. um, that has been going on for the last five years, six mm-hmm. years. So it's, it's, and now with COVID-19, people are very reluctant to apply for these positions. It's hard work. So it's, it's very hard work. It's, it's very not rewarding. Well paid. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, there's a huge need, I think, um, to focus on, on caregivers and mm-hmm. what caregivers need in terms of, of, um, of pay. Of yeah, living wage to, to start with. Yeah, of access to health care. Yeah. And it's become very expensive um, for operators, mm-hmm. uh, for us. Our, we've seen our expenses go way up. And, of course, now with COVID, um, <laughs> groceries are more expensive. Everything's more expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. The core of what we do in memory care and dementia care, the core is our caregiving team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, back to when we talked about um, be, listening. Mm-hmm. really listening to the needs of people living with this disease. I think we need to listen to the caregivers mm-hmm. who are doing this very difficult work. Mm-hmm. And also often black and brown. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Yep. absolutely. And so in, in terms of, of empowerment um, of caregivers through a living wage, mm-hmm. um, through access to health care, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's, that's an underlying issue that goes to the core of what we do. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of priorities. Care for all would change a lot of things. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, people uh, yeah, ask me. Living wage? Stuff. I've been asked, why are you, um, why are you for, you know, national health care? Um, uh, you're a business owner, you know, um, why aren't you more conservative, you know, on, on that issue? And um, it's a very easy answer because I see the impact firsthand with my caregivers and with their needs to have access to healthcare. And, um, you know, after um, National Healthcare Reform Act, um, they started qualifying for mm-hmm. premium assistance. And we saw more caregivers get access, you know, to healthcare as a small business it is prohibitively expensive for us to, um, to, to carry healthcare. We wish that we could, we could, mm-hmm. um, it would be one of the first things that we would do if we could, but, um, paying living wage is, um, is really where our values are at and where mm-hmm. we focus. Um, and, and really so, where they should be. That's, that's, that's the, their businesses should be paying their people properly and the healthcare should be not something Medicare that these, yeah, that people shouldn't yeah. worry about. Unions shouldn't have to worry about negotiating for healthcare. Right. They should Absolutely. be negotiating for wages and healthcare should just be not something that we have to worry about. Just like every other yes. social other society that's functioning properly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, the, I think our average hourly rate is $19 an hour wow. and yeah. we're heading toward $20 an hour. And, and um, so, 
you know, when I hear that um, caregivers are still making minimum wage, you know, it's, it's how can we sustain that? Really, yeah. is that sustainable? Um, because um, there's going to only be more of a demand for, um, for people who um, have that head-heart connection as good mm-hmm. caregivers. And that is a skill that is very valuable. And mm-hmm. we need to value that, that, those skills more in, yeah. in our society. Mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity um, for us to become, um, to kind of awaken to, mm-hmm. um, to the needs of caregiving as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if they're right on what they predict in terms of, of dementia and the number of people in our country who will be living with it, we will need to be a nation of caregivers. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Alzheimer's uh, tsunami will not it. stop. Yeah, no, this has been super informative from such an amazing uh, facilitator of a, of a uh, home care system that really is where we need to be, where this country needs to be. We need to refocus as opposed to institutionalizing our loved ones that we can't take care of at home because we are so busy and working. Everybody's got to work. The kids got to work. The dog's got to work. Who's going to take care of mom? So we need places like you're creating uh, with working with doctors like uh, Dr. Hergen, rather, who we've interviewed and and uh, Dr. Grobe. And Tipa Snow. And Tipa Snow, everyone. And Bredesen. Yes. I mean, you're everything I want to be. Exactly. My sister said, <laughs> I want to be at Primrose. That. I think she's going to want to be at oh. your places next. I mean, uh, she's, she's, my sister is a traditional nurse in Colorado. Very excited that I talk about her on the podcast now. Oh. Uh, but she listens regularly and she's, she is learning so much. And I think the more and more these traditional medical professionals hear the, the real stories of clinicians and people, administrators that are putting these practices into use in the legal states, their eyes open up and they start to see, wow, this is something we should look at. So I think it's, I want to thank you for what you're doing uh, up there in Petaluma and for educating and for joining us on Cannabis Helps Dementia and helping us spread the word. And that's really what we found we needed to do after our 10 year journey was educate people on how this can this can help and be a tool to help our loved ones and our caregivers because our caregivers could use a little CBD and maybe a little THC too occasionally because anxiety and stress is a big killer right now. Chella, anything else you'd like to say? Oh, just thank you so much for being with us really and for all you do for people living with dementia. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Chella. It's um, my pleasure. Awesome. Kelly Sturgeon, thank you. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work. You too. Thanks for joining us for Cannabis Helps Dementia. Be sure to download and like us on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting network. And please share this podcast with anyone you know in relationship with dementia. Do you want to tell your story of how cannabis helps dementia? Visit Anchor FM slash Cannabis Helps Dementia to leave us a voice message or drop us a note and connect with us on the socials. Check out the Society of Cannabis Clinicians website to find real medical professionals familiar with cannabis medicine in your area. Because you remember, we're not doctors. Just family caregivers turned advocates. And don't forget, download, like, and share what you learn. Cannabis Helps Dementia. Why don't you get wise? Get up and get out. Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down and get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. You'll never know if you can till you try. So get out of your right. Be able and strong. Give vent to that intent you've had pent up for so long. Come on, come on up and see.